Well, once again, thank you for joining us today at Praxis Church. Today is a special day. It's Father's Day, and we want to wish a special happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. It's also a special day because we have a guest, a friend of ours, here with us today. Many of you are aware that Praxis Church is part of a network or a family of churches called the Association of Related Churches, or ARC for short. And through that organization, through that family, we've had some incredible friendships and some incredible leadership in our lives. And Nikki and I are so grateful that for that, especially as we navigate this crazy year that 2020 has been so far. But one of those friends uh, is our friend, uh, Pastor Jimmy Rollins. Pastor Jimmy and his wife, Irene, they lead I-5 City Church in Baltimore, Maryland. And today, Pastor Jimmy is going to be sharing an incredible message with us. I want to encourage you to lean in, to listen, to learn. You might grab a piece of paper or pull out your phone and take some notes because what he's going to share with us today, I believe, is incredibly uh, uplifting and encouraging and, and is especially practical and helpful for the season that we find ourselves in right now. So I'm going to throw it over to Pastor Jimmy uh, and uh, I, I hope that you're encouraged and that you learn something new from this message here today. Hey, Ark family, Jimmy Rollins here from I-5 City in Baltimore, Maryland, and I'm honored to be before your church today, not just your church, but several of our Ark family churches all around the world. Let me first off uh, start this conversation by saying this. These aren't new issues. Uh, these issues have been around for generations. Uh, and it is time for the church to lead the conversation and what we ought to do to be a part of the solution and not a part of the pollution. We all have this thought and we all agree on this, that the local church is the hope of the world. And if that being said, the local church is not just the hope of one demographic or the local church is not just hope uh, to a certain ethnic or certain culture of people, but the local church is the hope of the world to anybody, everybody and anyone. And so I'm going to ask you in this moment uh, over the next few minutes to lean in and listen. I think it's just incumbent upon us in this season to decide that we're going to be good ears and not good voices. Well, let's just say it this way. We're going to first be an ear before we can be a voice. And so I'm going to ask you to lean into this message and uh, and just ask God to search your heart. Ask God to uh, search your mind, search your spirit and, and ask God, what do you want to say to me personally in this season? I'm going to start off here by first by reading first Corinthians nine. And this is one of my favorite passages of scripture. And here's what it says. Uh, Paul's talking to the church of Corinth and he says this, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralist, loose living, immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. And this is where he, he just like leans in right here. He says, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered into their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts, watch this now, to lead those I meet into a God saved life. He goes on and says, I did all of this because of the message. I did all of this because of Jesus. I did all of this because of the gospel. He then ends this 
amazing uh, uh, scripture here by saying, I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. What a powerful scripture. And I believe that we as the local church have to lead the conversation and how to bring racial reconciliation to our country, to our churches, to our cities, most importantly, to our homes. I believe that is where it starts. And I want to give you some thoughts of how to be in on it, how to be in on change, how to be in on the conversation, how to be in on sustainable change that is going to break strongholds of division and bring a spirit of unity in this world that we live in. That's exactly what it says in Psalms 133 about what, it, how do we be in on it? First, it says how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Why do I want to be in on it? Because we are all on the same team. You are on my team. I am on your team. And let me tell you something. We have to find what unites us right now in this season, not what divides us. And the African-American community is hurting. I am hurting. I'm having conversations with my kids that are difficult in this season. And if I'm honest with you, as your brother, as your family, I don't want to keep making an excuse for our world where I can't have answers, where I have to say to my kids, that's just the world that we live in. And I'm going to ask you uh, at your church and, and the local church to be the hope to my world, to be the hope to a world that you may not know about or you may not be in close proximity to. I want to be in on it. And I'm praying that in this season that you are going to stand up and be in on it with me. What I have come to find out is there are kind of three levels of relationship. When we're talking about family, the first level is this. I love you. So you can say, hey, you know what? I love you. And, and that's and that's that's a level of friendship, maybe not family. But then I've learned that even through the arc in being life giving, there's another level of family. And that's loving who you love. Right. And so you can say you love me. But how I really know you love me is you love my kids. Right. And then I believe there's the highest level of relationship, if you will. This level of family, this level of unity, it is that I am against what is hurting you. And right now, I just want to come before you as an African-American pastor uh, uh, th that there are. Uh, this is hurting us. This is hurting me. I know this is you're confused right now, but I want you to not just love me, not just love who I love. Or maybe, you know, someone in the African-American community or someone in the Latino community or someone who is facing uh, racial, uh, uh, you know, racism or something that is contributing to the racial divide. But I want you to be against what they're against or I want you to be against what is against them. That is what it means to be in on it. I want to be a part of the solution. Psalms 133, how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It says there God will release the anointing. And I believe it is the anointing that breaks the yokes. It is the anointing that is going to tear down the stronghold of hate and the stronghold of racism and the stronghold of the divide. 
It goes on and says, there, then I can command a blessing. We need our cities blessed. We need our homes blessed. We need our, uh, our minds blessed with the grace of God to give us strategy and resource to get through the season that we are in and to come against this and says, you know what? This ends with me. This ends with my generation. And I believe God is in this season is asking the church to be a part of it, not just to listen to it, not just to stand by the way and uh, and pray for people, but actually uh, say that I'm going to walk with you through this. And so I want to teach you and give you a couple points on how to be in on it. Number one, I want to be in on it. You have to enter. You have to make an entry. Paul says in first Corinthians nine, 21 and 22, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered into their world. Let me ask you a question. Whose world have we not entered into just yet? Whose world uh, have we not entered into because there's a lack of understanding or there's a lack of proximity? You see, uh, Acts 1.8. You know, we just uh, celebrated Pentecost Sunday a few weeks ago. But Acts 1 8 talks about what the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. It says what the Holy Spirit empowers us to be, to be in on it. Right. It says, and you will be be in on it. My witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts. Well, I believe this like. The uttermost is 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 the parts beyond my comfort zone that I haven't entered into yet. In fact, that word uttermost, uh, if you look up that word, uh, the original context of that word, it, it breaks down the time, space and rank. Who are the people in your life that you spend the least amount of time with? Who are the people in your life space who are the furthest from you that you don't have proximity with? And then rank who are the people that if we're honest and we take a a, a, a internal introspective look at ourselves that are kind of last on our priority list. Those are the people that God is calling us to enter into their world. Whose world have we not entered into? Whose world have we passed by and not made a presence? Whose world have we just said that they're just acquaintances and that's somebody else's Problem. I want to encourage you that Jesus empowers us to make an entry. And I love when Jesus called the disciples. Uh, what did he say? He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He said, when you decide to follow me, I'm going to enter into your world and blow your mind and change your perspective and change your heart. I'm going to be a part of healing in your world. And what I'm asking our ARC family to do in this season is to use this opportunity to enter into the lives of people that have been around our churches, right? That have been around our cities, but we haven't been around them. Wow. I want us to be around people that are far from us. I want us to be, I, I, want, in a, I, I want another level of unity and diversity. If you're asking me, what are you praying for? Diversity and unity, not uniformity. Huh? And duplicates. No, I want to enter into the world of people who don't look like me. I want to enter into the world of people not in my socioeconomic uh, uh, class. I want to enter into the world of people who have a different viewpoint 
than I do. That is what makes us powerful. Let me tell you something. The gospel message of Jesus, Jesus, uh, he knocked down doors. Jesus entered into people's world. Jesus entered into Jairus's house and he entered into uh, his daughter's room who had lost her life and, and, and she had died. But when he entered into the room, he resurrected her. Jesus entered into Zacharias's house and brought healing and salvation to their entire family. Jesus entered into Peter's house. And, and, and what did he do? He healed Peter's mother-in-law. Jesus entered into Samaria. Yeah. In John chapter four, he says, I can't go around this. Everyone else is going around this. We got to go through this. And he entered into a conversation. He entered into a city that everyone else avoided. He entered into the life of a woman who this he's not supposed to be talking to this woman as a male. He entered into a life life of a Samaritan woman. Jews and Samaritans did not do life together. That passage of scripture is so racially charged. You Jews, you Samaritans, you worship this way. You worship another way. But I love that Jesus did not uh, put first what divided them. He, He decided to put to the top what you united them and that was their need for water they had a common need and when he entered into her life he empowered this woman to go change her entire city let me ask you a question whose life have we failed to enter into and we don't realize the bigger picture that if we're going to see change in our cities and we're going to see change in our country we're going to have to enter into somebody else's pain. You know what Jesus did? Come on, somebody over 2000 years ago, he entered into a tomb. And when he entered into that tomb, he redefined death. Every situation you enter into, God wants you to bring life to. That's what I love about the ark. We're supposed to be a life giving organization to anybody, to everybody and anyone. There's never been a better time to make an entry. There's never been a better uh, uh, season to enter into somebody's life than right now. Well, pastor, I don't know what to say. Just step in and say, I'm sorry that you're going through this. I'm sorry that the pain that you're feeling, you know what, when you enter into the world, when you step into the door, just listen, just listen. Paul said, I entered into their world. Number two, he said this, I tried to experience things from their point of view. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. First Corinthians 9, 21 and 22. I entered into their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. Hmm. He said, tell me about your experience. See, once you enter into somebody else's world, now you can listen and begin to experience it. Wow. I I don't never want to be in a room that I've entered into and not experience it, not evaluate it, not take it in, not get an understanding of what is going on inside of your heart, inside of your mind, inside of your life. I, I want to enter into your world. I've even entered. I've been talking to my son and I said, son, tell me about your world. And he said, dad, I, I, I'm scared. 
I'm scared uh, of what is going on in our country. Uh, He said, Dad, was I just born guilty because of the color of my skin? And guess what? When I enter into my son's world and I begin to experience his heart and experience his successes and experience his pain, I begin to have a compassion. I begin to have a a passion to help him. I begin to put myself in his place. Let me tell you something. There's some things that you will never experience yourself if you're not a minority. If you're not Hispanic, if you're not African-American, there's some things you may never experience. If you're not female, there's some things that you may never experience personally. But can you experience it from a conversation that you've entered into? Talk to so many people that says, well, racism is not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. Well, I do believe it's sin. But the issue is the color of my skin. And so many people have says, well, pastor, I don't see color. I believe that we do see color. I believe that honestly, when I hear that, that that is a cop out that I'm not going to I might enter your world, but I, I, I'm not going to enter into your, your experience. I don't even know if I agree with it. Well, let me tell you something about my experience. My experience is real. I remember when my dad told me about his experience in Vietnam. He said, Jimmy, uh, uh, I remember when I was age appropriate, he said I, I was drafted to go to Vietnam to fight for a country that wasn't fighting for me because of the color of my skin. And he said, the only time that there was no skin color divide, the only time that we were unified is when we were in the foxhole fighting against the enemy. And as he began to tell me that story, I began to hear his experience uh, 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 that if we're all fighting for the same thing, that we're not going to let anything divide us because we're fighting for the same thing. Isn't that kingdom? Kingdom is we're fighting for the same thing that what hurts you hurts me. And then he said at night, he said he was around a table and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. had just been assassinated. And the guy uh, who he just fought next to in the foxhole that my dad potentially saved his life, looked at him and laughed and sneered and said, we just killed your leader. Man, when my dad told me that experience, I was glad I entered into his room. Because his experience became my experience. You see, in the lost lives of African-Americans, I I don't want you to see it as just an African-American was murdered or killed or experienced prejudice or stereotyping. I want you to see him or her as your brother, as your sister. So that their experience becomes a part of your experience. Remember, I'm not saying this for for you to be condemned. I'm saying this because I I believe that God, uh, that as he convicts us, as the Holy Spirit convicts our hearts, that we're going to begin to enter into rooms and experience things uh, from people that we call brothers and sisters and neighbors in Christ. But our proximity has been a problem. My experience. I see color. Matter of fact, uh, I went to Best Buy recently because I needed a new TV. 
And you know what I didn't do when I went in Best Buy? I didn't walk into Best Buy and say, can you give me something that's black and white? I'm looking for an amazing black and white TV. I didn't do that. I said, I want 4K. I said, I want a 240 refresh rate. I said, I want the, I want the, I want to see this thing in living color. I want to view, let me tell you something. The Bible says we are here to be light, bringing out the God colors of the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going as public with this, as public as a city on a hill. We can't want to look at a, a TV in 4K and not life in 4K to see our differences, to see our colors. Why, pastor? Because if you don't accept my differences, you will never understand my experiences. How do I be in on it? I want to enter into the world. Now I want to experience life. I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. I want to know what life is all about for you. I've even been calling some of my white friends and tell me, tell me what it's like in this culture for your church to walk through this so that I can help. So that I can inform. So that we can share experience. See, when you share experience, now you're ready for number three. You're ready to empathize. We're going to enter. We're going to experience. We're going to empathize. Paul says this. I didn't take on their way of life. I entered in their world. I tried to experience things from their point of view. And then he says this. I've become just about every servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. He says, man, I, I got to serve this thing. The Bible says that Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Do you know that when you serve something, when you serve someone, you actually are paying the debt for their freedom? That's what Jesus did. He says to, to give his life as a ransom. I have to empathize. I love the fact of empathy because empathy brings me to compassion. And I believe right now what every world needs, especially the African-American community, we need some compassion, not the kind of compassion that stops at sympathy, but the kind of compassion that moves to empathy. There's a difference from sympathy. Man, I'm bad. I'm sorry that's happening. And empathy. I'm going to suffer with you in this. I'm going to sit in the path of the compassion is, is to put your hurts inside of my heart. Wow. I would love for you to put my hurts right now inside of your heart. The hurts of people in your church inside of your heart. Your uttermost inside of your heart. You know what I've been praying in this season? I've been praying for God to give me compassion for things I don't understand. I've been praying for God to give me compassion for people I can't convince. The Holy Spirit gave me an incredible picture of this. I've got three amazing kids. They're awesome. Kayla, Jade, and Maya, 19, 17, and 14. And I remember when Irene, when we were married a year or so, and, and uh, she says, we're pregnant. I said, no, you're pregnant. Because <laughs> I would never experience that. And I remember getting closer and closer to the due date and and we went to this thing called Lamaze class and they were teaching me how to help her in her pregnancy. 
And what they were ultimately teaching me is, 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 is how to help her deliver this thing. And I remember, you know, it was, it was the day my daughter was ready to be here. She was ready to be alive. She was ready to do life. And I saw my wife go through incredible pain. But I was coached in how to help her in something I'd never experienced myself. Yeah. As a male, I'll never birth a baby. I'll never know the pain of that. But I was coached to help her breathe through pain that I'll never experience myself. And what I'm asking, I can't judge her level of pain. I can't say it doesn't hurt that bad because I've never experienced it. But what I can do is says I'm committed to hold your hand through it and I'm going to help you breathe through the pain. What we need right now is a society of people who are saying I'm not going to post about it. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to be in on it and I'm going to help you breathe through the pain. I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to show up for you. I'm going to I'm going to believe God for you. I'm going to have conversations with my children that uh, so that this next generation so that the pain of this current generation doesn't get passed down to the next generation. I'm going to be in on it through empathy. I'm going to put your hurts in my heart. I want to be in on it. Got to enter into your world. Got to experience things from your point of view. I got to serve your needs. I got to empathize. The last thing I got to do is engage. I got to do something about it. I want to encourage you to take your compassion to action. I want you to call some people that are not in close proximity and says, I'm willing to enter into your world. I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to think about things different. Listen, Ark family. I remember the first time that I entered into the Ark family eight years ago at the Ark conference in Jacksonville. And there was not a whole lot of African-Americans in that room. But I decided that this was my family and I entered into your world. And if I didn't enter into your world, I could not be here right now helping you through what's going on in our world. But we need some pioneers. We need some people who are willing to go against the grain. We need some people who are saying, I'm going to help change the trajectory of the hurt in our country and the hurt in our cities and the hurt by our brothers and sisters that may have a different skin color, but they are my brothers and my sisters. Because when you gave your life to Christ, your ethnic culture became a subculture to the kingdom culture. So now I want to engage. Paul said, I got to engage in this thing. I got to meet everybody. I I got to lead everybody I meet into a God saved life because of the gospel. I love that. The Bible says when Jesus looked at the crowds, he had compassion on them. But that compassion went from empathy to engagement. He says they're like. Sheep without a shepherd. He said, we need to lead through this. And then he asked for people to go into the harvest. I believe we got to look at people's hurt as harvest. We got to look at people's pain as harvest to reconcile not only us racially, 
but reconcile us to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. I got to engage. I got to be in on it. I want to tell you a quick story and I'm out of your way. My wife and my family were driving down the highway uh, in Annapolis, Annapolis, Maryland. I love Annapolis and I live right outside of Annapolis and there was this car following close behind us and I could tell it was weaving and I had my family, so I was trying to protect my family. And I was like, man, what am I going to do? So I, I saw that the driver was definitely inebriated. And he went past us about 90 miles an hour. And I, I got on the phone and I called 911 and I said, hey, there's, a, there's somebody in the car and he's going he's gonna to kill somebody. If you guys don't come and, and, uh, and pull him over and, and, and get him out of this car, I said, I don't think he's a bad person. I just think he's, I don't know his trauma, but I don't want to judge his trauma, but something is going on that is allowing him to put other lives in danger. And about a mile up the road before anyone showed up, before any police showed up, there wasn't a whole lot of people on the road. I saw this guy try to get off on an exit. And as soon as he tried to get off on the exit, he came back onto the road. He hit this sign and then he clipped this van going down the road uh, and he rear ended me. And the van began to fishtail. And then the van began to tumble and tumble and turn and turn. And all of a sudden, I this thing rose up in me that I had to enter. This thing rose up in me uh, that I had uh, that I had to understand his experience. This thing rose up in me that I had to empathize. This thing now rose up in me that I couldn't just leave it there. I had to engage. So I put pulled over my car on the side of the road and I ran up to the guy that was in the van that tumbled and the windshield was cracked and there was blood all over the place. And I don't know what happened. I had this supernatural strength and I ripped the windshield off and I saw someone hurting and I saw someone bleeding and I saw somebody in that moment who needed my help. It didn't matter that he was white and I was black and I'm sure it didn't matter to him. He just needed help. And if I empathized and if I entered and if I uh, experienced it without engaging, I don't know where he'd be today. And I had the supernatural strength to pull him out of that van. And by that time, the ambulance came and the police officers came and I helped him get on the gurney and I realized that I had blood on my hands and I was cut up a little bit because engaging is going to cost us something. We're going to have to be willing to get our hands dirty. We're going to have to be willing to get blood on our hands and at that moment I looked at that, that blood on my hands was red. It was the same color as my blood. which made us one. And I was reminded in that moment that now I can lead this guy into salvation. Yeah, I put my life at stake running across traffic. But I didn't see that guy as a white man. I didn't see that guy as somebody I didn't know. I saw that guy as family. And because it was family, I had to engage. We've got to enter. We've got to experience. We've got to empathize. We've got to engage. Who can you engage with? Somebody who doesn't look like you.
What conversations can you have with somebody at Starbucks? Somebody at a football game, a basketball game. I believe God is calling the church to rise up in this season. And I don't think it's strange that we can't go to church right now physically. We gotta be the church. The church isn't closed. It's time for the church to be commissioned. We gotta go to our uttermost. Because if we don't have the Great Commission that reaches anybody, everybody, and everyone, we actually have the great omission. And I've decided that I don't want to be a part of the pollution. I want to be a part of the solution. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for our art family. I thank you, God, that you're going to allow this obstacle to be an opportunity. That you're going to allow this atrocity to count for something. God, we want to be in on it. Pray, God, that you convict our hearts and you'd cause us all to search our hearts to see if there's anything. You don't have to go to 100 if there's comfort or preference or standard or stereotypical thinking that could result in prejudice or racism. But Father, we want to nip it in the bud right now. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to help you get to Jesus. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit speak to you right now in this moment. Father, help us. You said in your word that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins and heal their land. The land of our hearts need to be healed. The land of our minds need to be healed. The land of our souls need to be healed. So that the land that we live in will be healed. Ark family, I love you. And I'm praying that God is going to use this season to turn it around and to work it all for his good. God bless you.